Welcome, dear listener, to another episode of True Hauntings and Scary Stories. The podcast where we alternate between spooky conversation and scary short stories. (laughs) Now, Welcome, spooky friends. It's another Friday. Time to get our spook on. Today, before I get into everything, I have an announcement that I've been making in the month of April. So, in April, it is Autism Awareness Month, and on my website, truehauntings.com, I have this little button that's at the bottom of the page. You have to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, and there's a little button that says, buy me a coffee, and it's $3, right? $3 donation through PayPal, I believe. So only one person has ever even used it. I honestly forget that it's even there. But I decided that during the month of April this year, 2022, that anytime somebody clicks that button and donates three bucks, I'm going to give it to this autism support website. It's called aane.org. And they mostly support kids who are becoming adults and they're having to get jobs and, you know, become contributing members of society, so to speak. And my own son is 18 and we are in that phase of life for him. So I know just what that's like. They also support a lot of other um, phases of life for autistic kids and adults but they are a really good website. Go check them out. You can always donate on their website if you'd like. If you just want to go to truehauntings.com, scroll to the bottom, click that little buy me a coffee button. Every penny that I get in the month of April is going to go to this website. So that's an easy way to donate if you want to. I don't know if you can change the amount, like if you want to give more or less. I'm not sure if you can do that. Somebody let me know, like in the comments or something. But anyway, yeah, go do that. Check it out. It's a worthy cause. I will give it all to them. Okay, moving on. So today, I have a follower friend of mine. I I call her Tina S. because my sister's name is Tina. So I have to have a way to differentiate between the two of them. So this is not my sister, Tina. This is my follower friend, Tina. So how are you today? Hello. We are going to talk about the Tower of London and just chit-chat. So... Tina, you want to say hi to everybody or? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Been following for a long time. (laughs) Yes, you have. That is truth. I think you joined my Facebook group a few months, maybe. Maybe six months after I started the blog, maybe, is when you found me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's been a while. And I'm happy I found it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy you did, too. (laughs) <laughs> you're a cool, you're a cool person. She's a cool person, you guys. It's been an interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's me. I'm weird and... <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I fit in, Cindy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so, today, Tower of London. Ooh, so spooky. I found this article that's titled... 13 Ghosts of the Tower of London, and I think it's so interesting. 
Of course, there are a ton of ghosts, you know, in the Tower of London, obviously, because how many countless people have been tortured and killed in there? Yeah. But this one has 13 specific ones that they talk about, so I thought we would go through them. And of course, as always, I will leave the link to this article in the show notes so that you can actually go there and check them out. I believe it's from a company that does walking tours in the Tower of London. So if you're going there and you want to do a walking tour, check out this link and see if if um, they have something that you can use. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, though. I'm always afraid to go to places that are that haunted because... <laughs> Stuff follows you. Yes. <laughs> I'd have Anne Boleyn in my living room for weeks, oh, probably. <laughs> Walking around with her head or her hand. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be my luck. That is not what you want to wake up to at seven in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, Anne, no. it's a bit early. Can we just maybe noonish? Not. Yeah. Let's, let's put that on hold for a while. At least let me wake up. <laughs> <laughs> the first one on this list is Guy Fox, F-A-W-K-E-S. I'm guessing I'm saying that right. I'm trying not to curse at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. Sounds right. <laughs> you know, based on his experience, he kind of was fucked. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It says he was taken to the Tower of London after his part in a plot to assassinate James I at Parliament in 1605. Now, first of all, he obviously wasn't very good at plotting this. (laughs) Probably not a good idea for him to try that. He got busted. They imprisoned him and they tortured him. It says intense torture, likely on the rack. Now, the rack is that thing they, like, tie you to and they stretch your arms and legs out until they, like, pop out of their sockets and stuff. Nice. But it doesn't say how he died. So did they torture him to death or behead him or something? I don't know. Uh, It sounds like they would have tortured him to death. I mean, intense torture? That's what it says. Yeah, I would die from the first crank. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm such a wuss. (laughs) (laughs) I have a pretty good pain tolerance, but I think stretching, mm, no, not so much. Yeah. I mean, they really would do that to people until their limbs popped out of their sockets. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Oh, God. No, all four? Yeah. Pass. Hard pass. I'd be like, I give. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't even turned the crank yet. No, it's cool. I give. What do you, what do you what want? Do you want to know? <laughs> we'll tell you literally anything. <laughs> I'll even make it up. <laughs> yeah, just tell me the words. Yeah, if he was subjected to intense torture, I would I would assume that that's what he died from. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They would have said if he was like beheaded or something. I feel like they would yeah. have said that. You know, that's a terrible way to go. Torture until <laughs> you did. So Anne Boleyn is the second one, and she is also the most famous ghost in the Tower of London, or she's considered to be. She shows up a lot, usually either appearing headless or holding her head in her arms. So that's pleasant. Yeah. (laughs) As we were just talking, like, yeah, that would be great. It says, as ghost stories go... 
there are few as spooky and as tragic as this one. When Henry VIII broke with the Roman Catholic Church to set aside his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, and become the supreme head of his new church, the Church of England, Anne Boleyn became Henry's second wife. Just three years later, Anne was accused of adultery and taken as a prisoner by barge along the River Thames to the Tower of London through the infamous Traitor's Gate. Anne was beheaded on Tower Green and laid to rest in the Chapel Royal of St. Peter, the parish church of the Tower of London. Some 340 years later, a soldier reported seeing a light burning in the closed chapel. After climbing to the window to look within, the soldier is said to have seen a procession of knights and ladies led by the headless Anne Boleyn. Nice. She's the only one I've actually heard of. Oh, really? Yeah, she's, well, like you said, she's probably the most famous, and that's the only one I've ever heard of at the Tower of London, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, there's actually been three different queens beheaded at the Tower. She's the most famous of them, of course, but there was another one that was also one of his wives, Henry VIII, that was beheaded, and then the third queen, I'm not sure it was one of his wives... I read about it, but I can't remember their names now. It might be further on in this list. Oh, Lady Jane Grey, I think, had something to do with it, maybe. I don't know. We'll get there. Divorce is so much easier. (laughs) Right? Just, oh my gosh. My husband and I joke about that. I'll be like, honey, listen, if you don't want me around anymore, just tell me. Like, I'll leave. (laughs) You don't have to kill me. Yeah, but honestly, my husband has such a fear of blood and needles and stuff that he would pass out after the first blow. <laughs> like he, he would see the first little bit of blood and just be down for the count. <laughs> so I don't have much fear of that. <laughs> so number three on our list is Henry the Sixth. These are all Roman numer- numerals. That's just yeah, me. I hate that. Yeah, I have to sit there and, like, count it in my head. I do. <laughs> if the I is after the V, it gets added to the five. So it's six, I think. Yeah. So it would be Henry the Sixth, Imprisoned in the Wakefield Tower of the Tower of London, Henry the Sixth was murdered at the altar in the King's private chapel in 1471, close to midnight. Henry's ghost is believed to haunt the Wakefield Tower, appearing on the stroke of midnight. So, that sounds residual to me. Yeah. So maybe just by being murdered so suddenly like that, his energy sticks around. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like he interacts with anything. He just keeps in that loop. Yeah. Lord, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Like, does that mean that the energy the soul is trapped there or is it just a fingerprint of energy you know it's interesting i don't know i think my personal opinion would be it's just a fingerprint of energy yeah that's what i think that's what i hope yeah that's that's what my supposition is let's put it that way yeah because sometimes it involves children and it breaks my heart to think that a child's spirit is trapped like that So I'm hoping it's just a fingerprint. So this one's funny. Well, it's funny, but actually not. It's actually terribly tragic, too. But I have a dark sense of humor, so there you go. Um, (laughs) 
Number four is the ghost of a bear. Of all the things to haunt the tower, the ghost of a bear, a bear. is one of them. So, but the reason why is tragic. So it says Henry III housed his menagerie of wild animals at the Tower of London, including a gift of either lions or leopards from the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II in 1235. Pumas, tigers, jackals, an elephant from France, and even a polar bear were to follow. Visitors came to the tower to see the creatures with bear baiting going on to become a popular pastime in 16th and 17th century London. And it seems the horrors of this pastime are still heard today with the ghost of a bear which is said to appear from behind the door of the jewel room, perhaps a spectral guard to the crown jewels. The ghost of a black bear is also reported to have appeared near the Martin Tower in 1816. So I'd never heard of bear baiting. Had you? I have, but not over there. I've heard of it in the States, Mm. like, way, way back. Yeah. They would take the bear and chain it to a pole, like a wooden stake that's in the ground, either by its leg, like by its back leg, or by its neck. And they would chain it to this wooden stake in the ground, and then they would let dogs or other various creatures loose on it, usually dogs, in in the Tower of London anyway. They would let them loose on it, and it would have to fight them off and stuff. And usually the bear won, but that's because bears were expensive for them to get because they would have to import them from other places. So they would try to make sure that the bear survived, but the dogs typically never did. The bear would tear them apart because they would attack him or whatever. So just horrible, truly horrible thing. And I guess they're saying that some bears haunt the tower because of it. Now, when the bear got crippled or old or not as useful, then they would have spectacles where they would whip the bear until it died, you know, for the audience. (laughs) Yeah, they were not kind. Yeah, these people deserve to be ghosts. One of the queens really loved it. Like, she promoted it a lot and thought it was great pastime. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, number five is Sir Walter Raleigh. Sent to the tower no less than three times. <laughs> he should have learned. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Maybe stop doing what you're doing. So, sent to the tower <laughs> no less than three times, explorer Sir Walter Raleigh was imprisoned by both Elizabeth I and James I, spending over 13 years in the Bloody Tower during one confinement. Sir Walter Raleigh's last imprisonment at the Tower of London took place in 1603, before he was beheaded outside the Palace of Westminster. He obviously did not learn. <laughs> yeah. This one's creepy. The Faceless Young Woman. Oh. Um, in 1957, Welsh guardsman Johns was on sentry duty at the Salt Tower when he encountered a shapeless form with the face of a young woman, perhaps one of the many women who suffered a terrible fate at the Tower of London. So I don't know who this is. It's just a random young woman. Probably somebody accused of witchcraft and tortured to death, you know? Yeah, that's true. And the fact that she was just one of many. Yeah. 
they were like not really nice people back then. No, <laughs> they were <laughs> quite cruel. I would not have lasted five minutes with my sassy uh-uh. self. <laughs> me, me neither. They'd have chopped my head right off. I was redheaded, left-handed. I'd have really been. Oh, you in would trouble. have been evil. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, I would have. <laughs> they probably would have forced you to write with your right hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just looked it up real quick. I know I saw Raleigh was imprisoned. Oh yeah, why? He was charged with treason for his involvement in the main plot against Elizabeth's successor, James the First. Ah, that was see, one of his. Can't be doing that. <laughs> he kicked it when he was sixty-five. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So next we have Margaret Pole. She's number seven. It says like Anne Boleyn, the beheading of Margaret Pole, Count Countess of Salisbury took place on Tower Green, which lies to the west of the White Tower. Brought to the scaffold by Henry VIII for the crime of being the mother of Cardinal Pole, who opposed Henry's self-created position as supreme head of the Church of England, Margaret Pole was 67 at the time of her death. Eyewitnesses say the executioner on that fateful day in 1541 was a quote-unquote wretched and blundering youth who, unable to perform a clean execution with his axe, instead hacked at Margaret Pohl's head and shoulders. That eternal scream echoes through the towers today. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, so what I read about this one is that he took a swing at her and he missed and got her shoulder. And the shock of that made her scream and run. And she was running around the courtyard screaming for people to help her and he was chasing her with the axe taking swings at her and he hacked her to death oh my god in front of everyone oh god what they probably thought it was awesome (laughs) like probably this poor 67 year old woman yeah, and the only reason just he for being her, the mother of somebody, yeah, was being the mother of his enemy. Ugh, holy Hannah! <laughs> yeah, so that's brutal. They should have let him practice on like pumpkins or something. Yeah, you know what they used to do back then? I've read before that back then, if somebody was getting executed who had really pissed the king off, they would purposefully give the executioner a dull blade or a dull oh. axe. So that he would have to take several swings. Oh. Yeah. Or if somebody, somebody's enemy was getting executed, then someone would get the executioner really drunk the night before so that he would not <laughs> be as good. Seriously. Oh and then he'd God. like hack them to death then too. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of genius, but <laughs> pretty twisted yeah, too. Yeah, for, for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's keep oh, the shots God. flowing for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> a little fireball, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what what really defined pissing him off to get to that point? Yeah, well, not much, probably. I Well, yeah, because this poor woman was just the mother of his enemy. I mean, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I recall, Anne Boleyn, she actually requested that they use a sword instead of an axe because the sword tend to, tended to be more sharp and more accurate. And the king actually allowed it. He allowed that 
request, and so they did they did behead her with a sword, a sharpened sword, instead of an axe, so that it was quick. Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, if you gotta go. And she was young. She was also, I think she was pretty manipulative and conniving too, right? I, if I recall, she wouldn't sleep with him until they were married. That's why he was so hasty and divorcing his first wife and, <laughs> you know... She, she wanted to be queen. Anne Boleyn wanted to be queen. Well, guess what, lady? You got your wish. For three years. <laughs> yeah. And then you gone. <laughs> She's always. So number eight is the white figure. So the Tower of London is protected by the Yeoman Wanders, nicknamed Beef Eaters. In 1864, Captain J.D. Dundas observed a yeoman attempting to charge a whitish female figure with his bayonet. Chillingly, this apparition appeared in the courtyard where Anne Boleyn was beheaded. Ooh. So, I don't know if it was her or not. But That's interesting. In that tower, it could be any number of females, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, just like the, uh, the faceless woman you mentioned yeah. earlier. Maybe one in the same. Who knows? So number nine is Lady Jane Grey. Known as the English queen with the shortest reign, Protestant Lady Jane Grey became queen after the death of King Edward VI, son of King Henry VIII. Edward named Lady Jane Grey as his heir in his last will over his half-sister Mary. A pawn in royal power games the king's protector, John Dudley, had arranged for the 16-year-old Lady Jane Grey to marry his son, Lord Guildford Dudley. On Edward's death, on the 6th of July, 1553, Lady Jane Grey became queen, a title she was to hold for just nine days before the council oh. decreed the Catholic Mary was the true ruler of England. Lady Jane Grey and her husband Dudley were executed on the infamous Tower Green in 1554. The white figure of Jane is said to haunt the battlements of the Tower of London to this day. Jeez, they were quick with the axe. They were, in that case, they were. And what, I, what caught me was, I read some more about her, and truly, she was just a victim her family and all the men around her used her as a pawn, truly, and they were trying to get her into a high status so that they could have power. So she was only 16 when, um, yeah, she was executed. So truly terrible. No wonder she haunts it. That's yeah. And I wonder if she's the lady in white. That is interesting. So number 10 is pretty brief. It just says the monk's footsteps. If you visit the Tower of London, listen out for the sound of sandals slapping against the stone floors, reported to be from the steps of a ghostly monk. Creepy. <laughs> and sandals Ew. sound funny when they're slapping on stone floors. So that, <laughs> I feel like that would be <laughs> humorous. <laughs> like, ka-chonk, ka-chonk, ka-chonk. <laughs> that would not scare me. <laughs> It would take more than that to scare me, I think. Yeah. Than hearing sandals go... <laughs> yeah. All the other things we talked about would definitely uh, give me Paul's footsteps mm -hmm. now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I heard footsteps so much as a kid in Nana and Grandpa's house. Forget it. 
<laughs> it was creepy though, but because it always happened at night and I was a kid, yeah. so you know, you just lay there in bed like knowing no one's up there. So I'm gonna try to say this Arabella, because it's A R B E L L A. Arabella Stewart is number 11. It says an oft repeated ghost sighting at the Tower of London is that of Arabella Stewart, cousin to Elizabeth I. Arabella was imprisoned by James I for marrying William Seymour, nephew of Lady Jane Grey, without royal consent. How dare you? Seeing this match as a possible threat to his throne, James placed Arabella under arrest at the tower where she either refused to eat or was purposefully starved. Arabella's ghost is thought to stalk the queen's house. They probably starved her. That's what I was just going to say. that My money's on purposely starved, given their history. Mm-hmm. What a horrible way to go. Yeah, that that takes time, too. I, yeah. Well, it depends. Did she drink water? Because isn't the thing, like, without water you die in three days, without food you die in three weeks kind of deal? Yeah, but I would rather not have water either and die quick. Yeah, if that's going to be the fate, you know, may as well get it over with. Yeah, rather than have it prolonged. Honestly, if I had a choice, I'd rather get beheaded. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> <Out of> the <laughs> two. I'd rather just not be killed, you know. Well, be, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you have that choice. But <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to kill you, just behead me, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. With a sharp sword, please. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have a sword? Yeah. I like my food too much. Please, for God's sakes, don't, don't starve me. <laughs> yes, right? I'm thinking about lunch already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about dinner, so don't feel bad. Yeah. So number 12 is super tragic, and it is supposedly the second most um, famous haunting of the tower. And this article has it titled as The Lost Princes. So on the death of Edward IV, Edward's young son, 12-year-old Edward... Uh, became King Edward V under the protection of his uncle, the Duke of Gloucester. No, Gloucester. Gloucester? We're going to go with Gloucester. Wanting to take the crown for his own, the Duke of Gloucester imprisoned Edward and his young brother Richard in the Tower of London. Their mother, Elizabeth Woodville, took sanctuary in Westminster Abbey. After declaring young Edward illegitimate, the Duke of Gloucester became King Richard III, and Edward and Richard were never seen again, believed to be murdered at the order of their uncle. The bones of two young children were later found beneath a staircase in the Tower of London. For God's sakes, these people were murderous. Mm-hmm. So that one's really sad, because the mother tried to get her sons away from him she she tried to she like petitioned some court to um put them under her protection instead of her brother-in-laws uh but they refused because she was a woman you know so they did what his will said and they gave that doesn't make sense they gave the future king and his brother over to their uncle, who of course is going to try to get rid of them and take the crown. Right. You know? 
And that's exactly what he did. And the, the story goes that he tried to prove them illegitimate and was successful. He managed to convince people of that. And then he locked them in the tower and he ordered them to be killed. So people came in and suffocated them with pillows in their sleep and oh then um, buried them under the stairway because there was like dirt and stuff under it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they buried them in there and then built the staircase over top of it. And they found the boys like two or three hundred years later. It was a long time after when they found wow. them. And they put them in an urn, the remains in the urn, and then put it somewhere and labeled it that they were, you know, the two princes or whatever. And then many years after that, scientists actually opened it and examined it. And they do believe that those two children's remains are the prince's remains. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Yeah. And the poor mom, she knew what was going to happen. She tried to keep them safe, but she couldn't. So the 13th one is a weird one. I had to actually look it up because this, it's like one sentence about it. And I was like, um, I need to know more. So, um, (laughs) this one is called the nameless thing. And it says, lastly is the nameless thing, a petrifying spirit, which follows the guards of the tower as they walk their beat from the river's Sally portal entrance. So I was like, um, what is this? Like, you can't just leave me hanging like that. (laughs) No, you can't leave me. Tell me. What did you find out? I looked it up and supposedly it's like said that it's some kind of octopus thing. I guess there's like sewer systems under this house that go through the whole town and they go out to the ocean or whatever. So the theory was that this creature came up through that and got into the second floor of this house. (laughs) And yeah. And then I guess now it's out of the house and like following guards. I feel like the whole thing is just, you know, shenanigans, but that's (laughs) people truly feared it back then. And it was supposedly the began as the second floor of this one house um, being haunted by this thing. And it was like this horrible, some people thought it was the <laughs> octopus thing. Some people thought it was like a vengeful demon spirit thing. And so, <laughs> this one guy like was like, Oh, it's nothing. And he stayed the night on the second floor of the building and he was found dead. And they said he died of fright. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they had rigged up a bell so that if he got scared, he could ring the bell And they gave him a pistol, right? So then they hear the bell ringing frantically and then they hear a pistol shot. So they go busting up there and he's like cowered in the corner dead with this fearful expression on his face. And they said that he died of a heart attack or of fright. So I don't know. People's imaginations can run wild, that's for sure. Yeah. He may have scared himself to death. Possibly. Maybe it was haunted by a spirit and he just had all these stories in, in his head and, yeah. you know, it freaked him out or something. Because you can technically die of fright. That is a yeah. thing that can happen. So maybe he had it so worked up in his head that when something bumped, you know, he just yeah. freaked out. Yeah. I mean, I've done that to myself. I've not died of fright, obviously, but <laughs> I've freaked myself out enough that I was imagining things in every shadow. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that, you know, hearing all the stories, maybe he did yeah. that. I just can't imagine an octopus coming in from the sea and yeah. <laughs> happily following them around. Right? 
<laughs> that's a bit much for me. But yeah. you know, <laughs> but you know how rumors get started. I mean, it's how the witch trials started. Oh, for sure. On way less, on way yeah. less basis than that. Just some chick pissed you off, and it's like she's a witch. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. She looked at me wrong. She gave me an evil eye. Yeah. So one last thing I found out about the tower that I thought was noteworthy is that King Charles II ordered all the ravens to be removed from the tower property because their um, squawking or whatever annoyed him. He did not <laughs> like the sound of them. But the, the rumor is that once he had that done, um, then the ravens still kept coming back and that to this day there's still ravens there because of him trying to have them all killed or removed. Oh, wow. But get this. At the Tower of London, still to this day, they have a position called the Raven Master, okay? And starting in 1883-ish, like in the late 1800s, is when they started doing this. They started keeping pet ravens at the tower because they thought it was it would protect the tower and it would protect the crown. Not the actual crown, but like the person in, in charge. Right. So the rumor was that if the ravens left the tower, then the crown would fall. So they have this raven master still to this day, and they keep seven ravens with their wings clipped. They clip one of their wings so that they can't fly. And they name them, and they have housing for them, and they feed them. So they're truly pets. And the rule was that they had to have six plus one extra, just for good measure. That's why they have seven. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have these ravens there that they name, and a few of them have been banished over the years for quote-unquote bad behavior. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> ravens are very intelligent, so, like, one would start to like, you know, pecking at people or who knows, whatever it was they were doing and they would like send it off to the zoo. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. How weird. Pet ravens for superstitious purposes, you know, I get it. In the 1800s, <laughs> I, I get it. I could see them doing that. But I, at first when I read it, I thought I was, uh, you know, the vegan in me was all upset. How dare they clip these ravens wings or whatever. But then when I realized that they, at first I thought they were just clipping them and making them stay there. But then when I realized they're pets with like housing and, and feed and stuff, then I thought, well, I mean, I have a cat and two guinea pigs, so <laughs> <laughs> can't really say much about pets, but <laughs> I don't know. Ravens are really intelligent. They are incredibly smart. Yeah. Of course, if they got banished. Yeah. <laughs> banished to the zoo. <laughs> yeah, you wonder what they did as smart as they are to get banished. <laughs> right? Yeah. You just had enough of living there. Well, ravens are very intelligent and they can actually remember humans. And if you do something against them that upsets them, they will remember that and they will remember you. So I wonder if one of the ravens was like, you know, angered by a human <laughs> and then started picking on them or something. I wonder if they have generational memory. I don't know. That would be interesting. I know ravens teach each other. So like older ravens will teach the younger ones what humans are nice and or like what places are good to go for food. They teach them stuff like that. That is a whole new interesting avenue. Yeah. Oh, I love ra ravens. I think they're awesome. 
Those are ghosts of the Tower of London. Thank you, Tina, for chit-chatting with me about them. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to get to chat. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, if you don't mind jumping over to the rating part and giving me a rating or even a review if you're feeling very generous, that would help me out a lot to expand my audience and spook more people, which is kind of my jam. We'll spook you later. later.